First You Think is a not-for-profit ministry of the First Unitarian Church of Des Moines. Support us at ucdsm.org today. Good morning. Uh, my name is Mike Andreski, and my pronouns are he, him, his. So as is fairly common with me in speeches, this has gone through many focuses and iterations. As you could see, I was actually typing away just a couple of seconds ago, and I'm notorious in my lectures of sometimes I'll even take a break and, and mix, fix my lectures when I'm uh, at teaching. So as such, I decided to start with one, one of the prompts that we were given when we were talking about this stuff way back at the beginning of the summer. And as I worked on the prompt, it helped me focus on my main topic, which I, dis which I focused on uh, my incorporation of the UU principles into my personal set of beliefs, and it's influenced what I'm doing now politically. So if you look out of our north windows and have a sharp eye, you can see Iowa Methodist where I was born. Uh, my mom was an OB nurse there, and my dad worked at several buildings over the years running physical plants all over the metro. Uh, actually, I grew up just a few blocks west of where I now work at Drake, which will come into play when I talk about uh, the cyclical nature of things. So the prompt basically suggested we talk about our path to UU and my belief journey. And I'm using the word belief journey purposely. In the Oxford Dictionary, faith is defined as complete trust or confidence in something or some, someone. To me, faith means believing in something that you have next to no evidence to reinforce that belief. And I'm sure that this stems from a reaction to the religion of my youth, which was Roman Catholicism. I know that others have different personal meanings for faith, but that is, is my meaning. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, through, uh, as a child through around age 15, I was a practicing Catholic. I did the whole sacrament path through confirmation, First Communion, the whole nine yards. Uh, while I mentioned 15, I actually started to question as early as 13 or 14. I had grown up going to Mass on Sunday, and I was okay with it. You know, with the kids, sometimes you get a little wiggly in church. But the main focus in those days was wise and compassionate Jesus, and that was the usual presentation in our parish. Our parish priests were really not the flames of hell were soon you type, so going to church wasn't a scary uh, enterprise. But things changed when I was 13, and I can imagine that many of you can put two and two together if I mention that I was 13 in 1973. Yep, Roe versus Wade. My memory is that the pivot from happy Jesus to Abortion, abortion, abortion was pretty sharp. I have sharp memories of my mom muttering something along the lines of, if you'd seen the things that I've seen as an OB nurse, you'd think differently than those priests. But it took another 14 years to end what little faith I possessed when my first wife and I were in an automobile accident in Florida where I was living at the time. The accident was the result of wet roads and another driver not being attentive to their driving. After the initial shock of time in ICU at the hospital where I worked, so I was constantly being asked how I was doing when I was wanting to fall apart, um, so that was made it even tougher. And then two months of coma, uh, my wife was moved to the rehab hospital. Uh, at that point, we both started to struggle with the concept of a loving God when things like this accident happened. 
The final breaking point was a chaplain at the rehab center telling me that I had to take it on faith that there was a reason for the accident. That was it. I'm out of here was my intellectual response. Out of here as in being religion at that point. So other than having two kids being born, going through a divorce, going back to school, nothing much else happened uh, until about nine years later. My sons were entering elementary school, and I was living in central Florida. Polk County, Florida is not like Polk County, Iowa. It's almost the diametric opposite. Uh, I started getting questions from them about Jesus stuff that they were telling me that they were hearing in their elementary schools. So at that point, my partner and later wife and I decided that maybe giving the kids some faith or something similar to faith tradition might be a good idea. And I'd happen to remember a recent article in the local newspaper that was pretty much framed about this group of weirdos that were a church but didn't have a strict set of rules. So this was, you know, the, we had a church there called Carpenter's Homes Church that was on TV on the weekends and you know, 2,000 people in a huge auditorium. And yeah, so they really framed UU as, as really out, kind of out, out, out of the edges of society. But we went anyway. My gut tensed when we went to the UU, and it was a fellowship, uh, the Sunday before the 1996 election. Then, as now, I was a progressive Democrat, and the last thing I wanted was to be told how to vote. As in the years prior, I'd seen women clutching Christian coalition voter guides. I know that was a thing back in the 90s. Uh, And their husbands would loom over them as they were casting their votes to make sure that they actually followed what was on that voter guide. To my pleasant surprise, all that was said was a reminder to vote on Tuesday and to vote using your conscience. Maybe this UU stuff could be a good fit for us. My first UU clergy member, Dr. Tucker, was an interesting contradiction. The guy looks like a TV preacher. I never saw him without a suit and without a tie. And in Florida, if you take a couple of months ago and make that be six months, that's Florida weather. Uh, But he talks like a total lefty. It turns out he grew up as a very strong Disciple of Christ member. And after studying divinity as an undergrad at TCU, he decided he'd stay there and get his Ph.D., And he told us a story about in his Ph.D. work, he was absolutely sure that he could prove the existence of God. His studies actually led him to the exact opposite conclusion. So he sort of faked another topic and finished. He still entered the ministry, but after a few years, he just couldn't handle it anymore. So he left his ministry to to attend Mead Lombard and become a a UU uh, minister. So I'm I'm getting to the topic about uh, running for office. We'll get there in a minute. Um, So uh, Dr. Tucker was very intellectual in his approach to UU, so we had many classes for new members and a series of classes every fall. In our new member class, we completed a survey that was intended to help members better understand their beliefs. Looking back, I'm not surprised that my result was humanist. Now, all I'd ever heard up to that point was secular humanist being used as a magic phrase in political communications. Uh, it was a, it was in the 90s, that was another way of basically saying godless communists, but uh, they had to have new words for it. Uh, so that gave me a bit of a whoa moment. But as I learned more about actual humanism and the belief set involved, I could see how that fit me like a glove. 
We also learned about the history of UU in those classes, and I thought it was kind of interesting that American Unitarianism pretty much started in Massachusetts. That related to me because I could remember from a young age that my, uh, my mother's uh, sister, my aunt, had traced our genealogy, which is relatively uncommon back in the 60s and 70s, and had evidence of an unbroken line back to Plymouth and to William Bradford. So that had been the family mythos that we were Mayflower people, and turns out that it was actually true. So a few years later, we took the kids on a family vacation to the Northeast, and part of that was to go visit Plymouth. I wanted my kids to see you know, what their ancestors came on. So we went to Plymouth Rock, and then we did, went to the cemetery to see where William Bradford is, is interned. And we pulled into the parking lot for the cemetery, which was next to a church. And we were pretty surprised to see that it was actually a UU church. And we went over and read some of the information on the outside of the church, and we found out that the church was founded by the pilgrims. And over the years, had it evolved, and it was a part of Unitarian Universalism since the early 19th century. So it turned out I'd stumbled onto Unitarian Universalism as being a family legacy. So the next years included becoming more involved in, with the UU Fellowship, chairing several committees, and my wife was board president for a year. Our opening hymn is in honor of my time in that fellowship. We would sing this as a member, usually one of our children, would light our chalice. My personal search for truth led to moving back to Iowa for graduate school. And while we were members in the city UU, we were not involved at near the same level. Another reason we moved back to Iowa was so much could have a better education. I was tired of seeing my kids going to temporary. That's because some of those had been temporarily, temporarily there so long were actually starting to fall apart. Temporary trailer classrooms to no art, music or, music, or creative conflict content in their schools. Completion of my PhD brought me back to Des Moines, closing the circle. We attended First Unitarian a few times in the mid-2010s, but never joined. After life changes for me once again, Kara and I came here in 2019, and we joined in 2020 right before the pandemic. While I was in grad school, I learned that the story we all learned about the pilgrims at Thanksgiving and, they, and the, they lived happily ever after in this pastoral life was a fantasy. The actual history of the Plymouth Colony is told in Nathaniel Philbrick's book, Mayflower. The pilgrims and their children and, and grandchildren were involved. Uh, they were in the middle of a vicious war between Native American nations with Squanto befriending the pilgrims as a way for his leader, Massasoit, to get an edge over his nation's enemies. Learning the difference between that myth and the reality led me to, and my family's uh, participation in that, uh, led me to think about how controversial teaching actual history has become and how important it is that our children learn true history so that we can learn from our past mistakes and move forward as a society. So now we're getting to the political part. This became clear to me as I moved from being a political background person to being a candidate. That process was a side result of my latest educational pursuit and resulted in a losing primary campaign last year. After my primary loss, I was encouraged to stay engaged by several people and was encouraged to run for the West Des Moines School Board. I attended a series of school board meetings and was repeatedly moved by the LGBTQIA students and their parents who repeatedly talked during public comment time. The truth of their lives was different than what others in the state house would like to impose on them. During a legislative internship in the spring of 2020, I saw firsthand 
the contempt that many members of the Iowa House display to some of their citizens. This is especially pointed for those who live in Polkland and Johnson counties and who are not conservative, white, and Christian. After learning more about the school district in West Des Moines and the children who were being educated there, I could no longer stand by while the kids who didn't fit the cookie-cutter version of those in power were legislatively bullied. I feel particularly strong in this desire to do this work because today these kids walk the, the very same hallways that I did 50 years ago. So I went to West Des Moines schools. That's where I went to high school. I know this will not be without a struggle, and the words in our second reading reflect on my difficult decision to move from being behind-the-scenes support to being a candidate for office. I didn't really think about how my UU beliefs motivate me until a meeting until I had a meeting of the atheists and free thinkers a couple of months ago. Two of my political mentors and friends, Senator Sarah Trone Garriott and Claire Selsey, discussed how their beliefs have affected their political past, and that led me to once again think about the UU principles, which hold great meaning to me. So the first principle, as we had on our responsive reading, is the inherent worth and dignity of every person. This principle is a reminder for me to remember that even when I disagree with someone, that they should still be respected. I need this reminder when someone has a belief that I disagree with, and I think we all struggle with that. Is there a limit to this? I'm finding that I struggle with this when someone has beliefs I find objectionable. As a candidate, I need to remember that I'm not running to be on the school board only for those who I agree with. The second principle is justice, equity, and compassion in human relations. This principle may be the core of, of why I'm running for office. I believe that public education is one way that our society can work to break down the barriers of injustice. Unlike private schools or homeschooling, students in a district like West Des Moines are going to be exposed to other students who may have very different life experiences than their own. When students go to school with a diverse population, they can begin to understand why compassion is a necessary component of efforts undertaken to achieve justice through equity efforts. The third principle is acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth in our, in our congregations. Now, while growth in our congregations is not a political aim, I can see that the acceptance of others as being the natural consequence of working towards fulfillment of the first and second principles. The fourth principle is a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. Oh, thank you. Allergies are kicking in. I believe that this is a goal in education. Unfortunately, there are forces pushing, pushing us in the opposite direction. Sometimes, like in my personal example of learning more about the history of Plymouth Colony, we learn that our ancestors acted in a manner that we would not consider appropriate today. To avoid this discomfort, there is an alarming tendency to avoid discussion of these events to prevent discomfort. While in my experience, it was disappointing to learn of my family's involvement in the activities of the 1650s, it has helped me to understand that being honest about the, pa about the events of the, of the past can be empowering in, a, in efforts to move towards justice and equity. Efforts by some high-profile groups such as Moms for Liberty to remove accurate information about our past and about the truths of many of our students' lives are alarming, and I find strength to oppose these efforts through this principle. The fifth principle is the right of conscience and its use of the democratic process within our congregations and society in large. The efforts to resist actions by a small minority of parents and activists trying to, improve their, to impose their values on the majority of students is one of the strongest motivations for my political involvement. While with one notable exception this has not occurred in West Des Moines, there is at least one candidate in the race who would choose to impose their values on the majority 
of students in the district. This principle reminds me that others may have differing opinions and to remember that those differing opinions most likely were reached uh, through an examination of their consciences while that may be a different opinion than I may possess. And the sixth principle is the goal of, of world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all. So to achieve this goal, I found that respect for the first five principles is necessary, and I find strength in this holistic sixth principle approach to achieving peace, liberty, and justice for all. When I start to struggle, struggle with the remaining five, with remaining consistent with the first five principles, it helps to remember this one uh, all-encompassing principle at the end. And then the seventh principle is respect for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. While there's a definite progression to achieving the sixth principle through the first five principles, at first glance, this principle seems to be a bit of what we academics might call an outlier. But on further thought, it reminds me that while we work to achieve a world community with peace, justice, and liberty for all, we need to be mindful of the impact of these efforts on the natural world. Unitarian Universalism is famous for statements like deeds without creeds. While not exactly a creed, I find the UU principles help me find sense of what I'm doing in the political world. Having a personal belief system that incorporates my interpretation of the UU principles helps me in the struggle to step into the arena of differing opinions and remain true to myself and what I believe. As the next few months unfold, I'm sure that I'll have to remind myself of this more than once. Especially when I'm being accused of being, as a progressive, being at best a passive pornographer and most likely worse by at least one of our candidates. And hopefully once the elections are over, and I'm successful, hopefully, I can continue to reflect on the UU principles in my work on the school board. Thank you.